Welcome, 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 welcome. Happy, happy, happy new year. I am so delighted to be with you on this very first Wednesday night of 2023. Now we just barely stepped over the line, didn't we? It's live, of course, Wednesday night live. I hope that you're telling all your friends, Pastor Rod is here so that you are there and I can be just right there with you where you are. Get yourself comfortable because this is going to be an incredible, incredible time tonight. Now, I want you to get a notepad. I want you to get your phone out or get your laptop open, whatever you take notes on, because we're going to be going through material tonight that I, I can honestly say changed my life. Now, it changed my life in my 60s, and I've been preaching this glorious gospel around the world for over 47 years. But what I'm going to share tonight changed my life in my 60s. I was just telling one of these young whippersnappers around here before I walked up here to share with you. I have now been a part of eight different decades. Can you imagine it? I was born 1957. So the 50s, the 60s, that's right. I lived through the 60s. I survived and I'm glad that I did. And then the 70s and then the 80s and then the 90s and then the 2000s and then the 2010s and then the 2020s. Now we're at 2023. And I can tell you that this is a year of no fear. 2023, here's what you got to do. You got to get in agreement. I mean, you've got to just sell out and say, I'm going to be with Pastor Rod live on Wednesday night live, seven o'clock Eastern time every single week. 2023 is a year of no fear. Fear thou not, Isaiah 41, 10, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I want you to type in right now any type of phobia. A phobia is a fear. Any kind of fear that has plagued your life because I'm believing that tonight, I said tonight, now God will do a new thing. He's ready right now. And what he does tonight is done forever. Ezekiel said what God does, he does forever. So it is a year of no fear. And it is a year of overwhelming miracles that are coming suddenly. Suddenly. Now it is 2023 and beginning tonight, I'm going to begin to build a foundation in your life that will stand the storms of life, that will stand the test of time. We're going to build a foundation from two things. Number one, the Lord's Prayer. You think you know it, but I'm going to let you know you're going to learn it in a brand new way that's going to change your life. And secondly, Psalm 23, 
the Lord is my shepherd in 2023. I shall not want seven key phrases. I'm already teaching you seven key phrases in the Lord's prayer that relate directly to the Psalms, to the Psalter. You're going to learn what that means. These are the prayers of the Christian church. No one's ever taught you that. They've taught you that, you know, Psalm 23, that's the funeral psalm. That's the, it's the most prayed psalm in the Bible. And by the way, the psalms are prayers, many of them put to music, but they did not begin as a song, they began as a prayer. And you'll be surprised who first prayed those prayers and how they relate directly to the Lord's Prayer and its seven phrases. When those disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. He was a master teacher. He did not waste one word. And every prayer we will ever pray is encompassed by the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to show you that. All of the Psalms are encompassed in those seven short phrases that our Lord taught his disciples to pray. So I think we should learn to pray it, don't you? I agree. Come on. Tonight, I'll also be giving you the scripture that God gave me three years ago now, going into 2020. He said, this is not for the year. This is for the decade. He's never done that with me before, but he did. Also, I want you to join me in reading through the Bible this year. And if you want to read what I'm reading on the days I'm reading and praying it, just go to whc.life and click on that Bible reading plan. And you and I will we'll be confessing, declaring, decreeing the exact same verses every day. That's the power of agreement. Now, agreement, let's talk about that for a moment. Agreement is very, very well authenticated, even in what we would call natural or earthly endeavors. Think about it. Any athletic team that's in agreement has a great, great, great advantage for winning over that other team that is in disunity and division among the players, among the coaches, sometimes the fans even get involved. Corporations across America and around the world spend tremendous amounts of time and millions and millions and millions of dollars in team building activities. They do everything they can, anything they can to try to ensure that their employees understand, not only understand, but they ascribe to the fundamental corporate principles of whatever business that is. Think about it in, in your own home. Husbands and wives can accomplish far more when they're in agreement instead of selfishly squabbling and fussing and what's wrong with you? Well, nothing. And you know, something is and not speaking to each other and yelling and screaming at each other in front of their children. 
You're not going to get anything done in your home like that. And your children are not going to end up spending their lives with the Lord if you don't stop it. How much more could be accomplished if we just got into agreement? We should expect success. We should expect victory when we're in agreement. How much more the people of God, when we're in agreement, should accomplish for the kingdom of God and of his Christ. Now, one, one of the major reasons for the overwhelming success of the first century church, its growth, its kingdom advancement, was without a doubt that they were in unity. In fact, if you hold on, in fact, the seven churches of Asia referred to in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that's important. Wish I had time to teach on it, but I don't. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not revelations. There is only one revelation. And the very first chapter tells us what is revealed. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to show you in the Lord's Prayer. That's what I'm going to show you in the Psalter, the book of Psalms. That's what I'm going to show you in Psalm 23. The most powerful, and I mean powerful churches, and I've been in them literally the world over, are those churches that exhibit, exude, and operate in overwhelming unity and fierce focus on a common vision. And if you can't say your vision in one or two sentences, you don't have a vision. That, that's called a plan. Here, here's our vision at World Harvest Church. Here's our vision at every ministry, I believe, 14, 15 of them at this point, here's our vision. The apex of all Christian endeavor must become to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of our Savior, that the Lamb of God slain may receive the reward of his suffering. That's it. It's all about the one. Now, when we get into agreement, those seven churches in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, those seven churches were in unity. They were all brought up by pastors under the apostolic authority of Timothy, of the apostle Paul. They were set in place and they functioned for decades until they got in disunity. Now there's another dimension to agreement. Agreement is, you look at my social media today, I quoted it for you. Agreement is without a doubt the most forceful power available to us and the most unutilized. The kind of agreement that I'm talking about, and, and it's not what you think. We'll get to it. I'm going to have to teach you in some of this now. I can't preach it to all of you. This kind of agreement will produce victory for every single individual believer. And that's when 
earth, hear me, when earth comes into agreement with heaven. Now, how are we going to do that? Hold on. How are we going to do that? When earth comes into agreement with heaven. Now, I'm going to start right here. Hold on. I'm going to start right here. Anything with two heads is a monster. That's why God set an order in the home. Do you know why you're having all your difficulty? Because somebody in that order is out of line. They're not assuming their rightful place. Do you know how the body of Christ comes into absolute agreement? Entire focus on Jesus of Nazareth as the head of the church. There aren't five heads of the church. There's one. So when heaven and earth, so we, we got to find out then, how can we get heaven and earth in agreement? Well, it's when our declaration comes from God's decree. We declare the decree. A declaration is a spoken thing. You, you do it by speaking. Prayer is speaking. Prayer is not thinking. Prayer is speaking. What we declare is the decree of God. Anything and everything, when we declare the decree of God in agreement. Now, hold on, because that in agreement is the part that's been missing. When we come into agreement, everything and anything I'm about to shout up in here is not only possible, it's probable. When I came home from the Adams Mark Hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana in 1979, took my sister there, tormented by demon power, drinking more vodka, shooting herself up with every kind of painkiller that doctors could prescribe. And we took her there for deliverance. Well, while she was there, a whole lot went on. Of course, she got delivered, lived. She was only given three months to live, sent home to die. She lived another 33 years. So God moved in that little meeting. But he also changed me. He changed me. I learned, and I don't mean I got head knowledge of it because I'd been to Bible college. I had a head knowledge of Mark 11, 22 to 24. I had head knowledge of it. But when I was in Indianapolis, Indiana, 1979, that head knowledge became a heart revelation. It took that 18 inch drop. It's been there ever since. It's never wavered. It's never moved, and I've faced some stuff. But Mark eleven twenty two 22 to 24, have faith in God. Why? Truly, Jesus said, I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not down in his heart, but believe those things that he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. 
as I'm doing that, I am declaring the decree, the law of the Lord. I am speaking the law of the Lord. We, we need to learn to do things together. We need to do things in unity. I've, I've got this little 20 decrees and declarations that God gave me for the decade of the 2020s. Now we are in the, you know, Gregorian year of 2023, but we are actually in the Hebrew year of 5783. And I, I wrote this because I want us to say the same thing. I have you getting that Bible plan because I want us to say the same thing. If we pray the same thing, God's answer is already on the way. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter one and verse three. Blessed be, while I say it, you say it. I say it, you say it. I say it, you say it. Are you ready? Now I'm gonna say it and you say it. Blessed be the God and Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Say it. I have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Stop. Stop. Because what I'm going to teach you is how to get it out of heavenly places and in the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The Lord's Prayer. As in heaven, so in earth. Say it with me. I am truly blessed. I am favored. I am happy. Well, if you are, notify your face. I am to be envied because God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Here it is in Christ. I do not participate in any aspect of the curse. Are you still talking? My life is blessed. My family is blessed. The work of my hands is blessed. My spirit, my soul, my body are blessed. I am blessed. We are blessed. We'll get in agreement right now then. Now that's what this little book will do for you. That's one of the 20 declarations from God's word that we're gonna be making together all this year and all this decade. So let's add a declaration now, I promise you we would, of the scripture that God Almighty placed in my spirit for this decade. Now people are slow. People, especially after COVID, it's like their skull grew three inches inside and their brain shrunk that much because they sat around and watched the silly, filthiness, nonsense on TV for hours on end and numbed their brains. I have been sharing this scripture for three years now. 
Well, pastors are like Jesus. They say, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do what I say. So here's our scripture for the 2020s and the 5780s, Psalm 8110. And it fits directly into what I'm teaching you right now. Here it is. Open your mouth. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. Stop. You don't know any mighty decrees. The only mighty decrees, laws, laws are God's law, God's will, God's word. You know how you can always be 100% accurate in your prayers? Stop praying out of your soul, your will, your emotions, and start praying the word. Then your prayer becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing within you according to Philemon chapter one, verse six. <laughs> your Bible says your prayer becomes effectual, meaning it has an effect when you acknowledge what's good in you. And the only thing good in you is that book. So it, do you see how it's just layer upon layer upon layer of what God's trying to teach us? Open your mouth with a mighty decree and I will fulfill it now, you'll see. I will fulfill it now. You'll see, God say, the words, now watch, he didn't say that I speak, he said that you speak. So shall it be. Now here's what you have to know. God gave us his word, not only, not only to talk to us, but to hear us talk. You missed me. I went right by you. We continue declaring the decree as we've been doing since the beginning of 2020, but we need more people in agreement. When we do that, it serves as the catalyst for overwhelming breakthrough for all of us. As I shared with you, Psalm 23, that's gonna be our foundational promise. Our foundational promise in 2023 God laid it out so it's not hard for you to remember, is Psalm 23. Now, I said that Sunday, what percentage of people that heard it do you think have done it every morning and every night since I said it? Well, overwhelmingly, by the number of people that heard it, a very, very, very minuscule fraction of a percentage point because we're hearers, I heard you, Holy Ghost, we're hearers of the word, but we're not doers. I'm, I'm gonna let that sink in a minute. You hear the word, you shout, you say, praise the Lord, you do whatever you do. If you were even listening, <laughs> which is a big step, but then we don't do whatever was ministered, whatever was preached, because 
we treat ministry like it's entertainment. And we treat it like something to be consumed rather than something that we're supposed to participate in. Ministry is living. The word is living. The church is alive. But that doesn't mean that we as individuals are. Now, the first thing that I have to do is I have to forever banish from your mind the thought that Psalm 23 is a funeral psalm. This morning, God woke me up, I guess it was about 4.30, 5 o'clock, and said, go to your phone, hold on now, go to your phone and type in the Lord's Prayer. So I did. Do you want to know the first thing that came up? Psalm 23 is known as the funeral prayer. What a tragedy. What a travesty. It has nothing to do with a funeral. It has nothing to do with death. There is one of the seven declarations in it is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But look, when, when you die, that's not the shadow of death, that's death. That, that's not what it's talking about at all. We, we go through these little chivalrous of tradition and we don't even know what we're talking about. The Psalms, the Psalter, is the prayer book of the Christian church. It's rich, it's overflowing. It, it, it is anointed with the blessings of God for your life every single day. Now I'm gonna to talk to you about Psalm 23 being a living psalm. The Psalms relate directly to the Lord's Prayer. Now some of you that are from a Catholic background would understand that as the Our Father. There are a few different variations of it. There are orthodox ones and non-orthodox ones and there are, I don't know, 150 different translations of it, I'm sure. But it mainly appears in two places. So get this down, Luke chapter 11 and verse one. Your Bible says, and it came to pass that as he was in a certain place, when he ceased praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So they asked the master teacher, Lord, teach us to pray. In John chapter three and verse two, your Bible says this, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, Rabboni, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So he's drawing out the fact that Jesus was not just a teacher, he was a master teacher. Matthew chapter five is the precursor to Matthew chapter six, 
which is the other place that the Lord's Prayer of the Our Father is mentioned in Scripture. And it starts off much the same way, Matthew 5, 2. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, now this of course is on the Mount of Beatitudes. So again, same question and Jesus answers that question. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Now, here in Matthew, there's a doxology included that's not over in Luke chapter 11. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Matthew 6, 9 through 11, that's the authorized version rather than Luke 11. In Luke 11, sins and indebted are used and the Aramaic uses the same word for debt and sin. Some people hang up on this. Matthew 6, 9 through 11, debtor is used, debts is used, trespasses is used. It doesn't make any difference. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Here we go. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts, our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now I'll teach you a much better translation is, let us not fall into temptation. Because the book says, and the book is right and they are wrong, that God tempts no man with evil. Continue, but deliver us from evil. Boy, I can't wait to get to that phrase with you and tying it in to the Psalms that go with us. For yours, here's the doxology, the benediction, for yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. You know that your Bible says all power in heaven and earth is given to Jesus. He said that. So if you have any power, it's coming from him. <laughs> and thine is the glory, the manifested tangibility of your presence everywhere, all the time. Amen. Now look, these disciples, the, the great, great desire, they weren't like us. They had an overwhelming desire to pray. You know, again, I've been preaching this gospel 47 years. I've been pastoring for over 45 years. I don't remember that I've ever had anybody come to me and say, would you teach me to pray? Think about that. These disciples were walking every day with the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And yet they came to the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They had a desire to learn to pray. Now that may seem like an oxymoron to you. 
like, you know, doesn't everybody know how to pray? No, no, no. And I'm going to teach you something about prayer and you will never dread prayer again. You will have a passion to pray. You won't be able to stop praying. The reason you don't now is because either you've been, you have not been taught or you've been taught the wrong way. They said, teach us to pray. They had a desire to pray, watch me, but they couldn't. That's where I believe the majority of professing Christians are today. How do I know that? The statistics tell me that the average evangelical preacher prays eight minutes a day, eight minutes a day. You spend more time than that brushing your teeth and combing your hair, watch. It's not that you don't want to pray, you do. It's that you don't know how to pray and you don't know what prayer is. So let me give you three basics to start with. Number one, we pray to our Father. That's who we pray to. Write it down. Now, here we go. Number one, what did I just say? Type it in. We've got to pray to. Who are we addressing in prayer? Our Father. Number two, we address our Father in Jesus' name. Number three, we pray under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. How do I know that? Look at John 16, 23. And in that day, Jesus said, you will ask me nothing. So are we supposed to be asking Jesus? He just said, you'll ask me nothing. But truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, so who do we pray to? The Father. Watch, number two, in Jesus' name, whatever you ask the Father in my, Jesus is speaking, in Jesus' name, he will give it to you. So who do we pray to? We pray to the Father. How do we pray? In Jesus' name, right? Thirdly, thirdly, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? Romans 8, 26, here it is. Likewise, the Spirit of God helps our infirmities, for we don't know what we should pray for as we should but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The actual translation is inarticulate speech. 2023 is going to be the year when the power of agreement will become compulsory, absolutely necessary, for the kingdom of God 
and for our individual authority. Now, I want you to get this down. I don't want you to ever forget it. Division, division is the language of weakness. I'm talking to you about agreement. Why is division the language of weakness? Well, think about it this way. Because things that are separated become diluted. Things that are separated become diluted. They lack power. They are weak. If you take a good, strong gallon of gasoline and you pour it into three gallons of water, you've diluted it so it becomes weak because there's no agreement. Its parts have become separated. But agreement is the language of strength. Here it is from Mark chapter three and verse 25. A house divided against itself cannot stand. It's too weak to stand. It's too weak to make a stand. So then division is the language of weakness, but agreement is the language of strength. Why? It's concentrated. More of the same thing makes it stronger. The greatest number of people, God spoke this to me in 2004, when I was trying to rally America around the Defense of Marriage Act, declaring marriage to be the union of one man and one woman, which we were successful at doing. And God said to me, when I was praying about that, doing thousands and thousands of interviews and traveling every night carrying that message, God said to me, the greatest number of people focused on the smallest point of agreement will yield the greatest result. That's why we're going to be focusing on the Lord's Prayer and the Psalter or the book of Psalms. Matthew 18, 18 to 20. Jesus said, truly I say to you that Whose, whatsoever you shall bind. Now here it is again. Remember I talked about the greatest power available to us is the agreement between heaven and earth and earth and heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again I say to you, he's repeating it, that if two of you will agree on earth, touching tangibility, anything that they shall ask, listen to the absolute affirmation, it shall be done for them, watch by my Father which is in heaven. Watch this. 
Get ready to shout. Where two or three, how many? Two, three. Two, three. Twenty, two, three. Whithersoever two of you are gathered together in my name, one plus one does not equal two here. One plus one equals three because Jesus said, if two of you get together, I am in the midst of you. So that agreement in 2023 should be one of the absolute most sought after things in your life. Shout amen on there. Come on, type amen. Matthew 1, 23. Let me go there for a minute. They shall call, now think about 2023. They shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. What a thought. What a victory. What a revelation. What an opportunity. Second Corinthians says this. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every fact must be confirmed, watch, by two or three, 23 witnesses. I prophesy to you right now that in 2023, truth will be, hear me, hear me, resurrected from lying dead in the streets. I've preached for years. Truth, scripture says, lies fallen in the streets. But I've got a prophetic word for you right now. In 2023, the truth that has been dead in the streets, I don't have time to go through it all, is going to be resurrected. And in 2023, truth will begin to triumph over lies. Lies, don't leave me. Lies, lies will be exposed. I, 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 got, I got to get this out. This is the word of the Lord. The truth that in 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, and for many years before that, lie dead in the streets. The prophet said truth lies fallen in the streets. And that's where we've been living. Lies have been triumphing. But God spoke in my belly. In and I'll show you why in a minute. In 2023, lying, false truth is going to be real truth. Let me say it this way. Is going to be resurrected in the streets and truth is going to triumph over lies. Lies are going to be exposed. The manipulation of the unthinking, undiscerning masses will not work on us any longer. Here's why. In 2023, according to Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is our shepherd. Luke eleven twenty three. He who is not with me, Jesus said, 
And he who does not, watch, watch, watch. Remember what I told you about the, the language of weakness is division. Watch how Jesus goes right to the point. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather, because that's where the power comes from, with me scatters. Division, the language of weakness. Agreement, the language of strength. In 2023, you and I have to get together. We have to manifest a unified front to this divided world. Division, the language of weakness. Anytime anybody's trying to divide, they are the purveyors of weakness. They want you weak for a reason. Because when you are weak, you will fall for anything. Agreement is the language of strength. Look, I'm not trying to get you to agree with me. I'm not trying to get you to agree with my doctrine. I'm not trying to get you to agree. All the division in the earth right now is ideological. All the division is about ideas. I have this idea. I have that idea. God does away with all that by saying, I'm going to give you what to pray. And when you pray that in agreement, Katie bar the door. Let me say this. You ought to just look around the room where you are right there and say this to somebody. Regardless of how strange you are, and regardless if your idea is different than mine, let's get in agreement. Let's not mess up each other's miracle. Because alone in that home, mom, alone in that home, dad, alone, you're just a voice. But together, we're a Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized force for culturally incorrect, redemptive change in your home, in our city, in our nation, in the world. We are a revolutionary, resurrected revenant of revivalists, and we are coming to a home, coming to a church, coming to a city, coming to a nation near you. I'm almost finished. The number 23 in Hebrew is Kaf Gimel. Kaf 20, Gimel 3. And it means, watch, it means death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death to the lies, resurrection to the truth. Woo, somebody ought to be, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. Amen. Come on. Kaf in cursive Hebrew Guess what it resembles when you write it? Kaf, a shepherd's staff. And together, 20 and, and 3 signify the open palm in the act of lifting up from the dead. That's 2023. Absolute agreement, number one, between heaven and earth. Number two, between God and his word 
Jesus Christ and us. Philemon 1.6, I already shared it with you, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Whew. What a tragedy is. It's just tragic to mistake thinking. Now you get this because I'm going to have to pick this up. Here's the issue with prayer. What a fallacy. What a tragedy. To think our hearts can pray alone. Because not being taught, not being trained, listen to me. The human heart, the human mind, in attempting to pray, will simply begin to cry out to God as its eternal vending machine, dispensing whatever concoction we think we want, which when we ingest it, will destroy us. That's how Israel ended up with Saul. Because God answered that prayer. Give us a king. God said, you don't need a king. Give us a king. You don't need a king. We want a king. They got one. Do you know that God will answer those things? You better be careful how you pray because your heart, I know you're born again. I know you love Jesus. But listen, if you think that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is completely accomplished in your mind, you're wrong. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be made like this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God, acceptable, good, and perfect will of God. How do you do it? Not by your mind, not by your soulish man, not by your own heart, which can be deceitfully wicked. And you're just praying your wants. You're just praying your desires. You're just praying what you think will make you happy. That's been the curse of man since the garden, that we think we know what's good for us. We don't. And when we pray that way, we become spoiled. You know what the word spoiled means? Unuseful for our intended purpose. True prayer is not confusing the will of our own deceitful desires or our fleshly minds and hearts for the human heart will do this. The human heart will just, you know, mourn or rejoice based on circumstances. The human heart will beg or wish based on circumstances. The human heart will despair or shout victory depending on the circumstances. And if that's your prayer life, those are all emotional responses 
of the human heart. Prayer is so much more. Prayer, true prayer, is to find our way into the very throne room of the presence of God Almighty. Our prayers must obtain and contain God's divine presence. I'm going to say it again. Our prayers must obtain and contain God's divine presence. Benny Hinn said to me once, he said, Rod, you know why I believe most people's prayers don't get answered? I said, tell me. He said, there's no presence. There's no presence. You know what there's always the presence of God on? This. God's presence is on this. This word, watch me, is inspired. What does that mean? It's God breathed. Jesus says, the words I say to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when you pray this, <laughs> woo, our prayers must have divine presence if we expect them to gain the desired effect. How's that accomplished? When our natural hearts and emotions are overflowing or empty. You missed me. Some people pray the other night, there was a precious young man. I, I was watching the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Bengals are from Ohio, so I was interested. And a precious young man, 24 years of age, made a great play, a great play. He stood up, clapped his hands, started to take a step backwards. Everything looked perfectly normal and fell over. I'm sure you know about it. Heart attack. Immediately, immediately. I've never seen it before. Both teams came together. Many thousands of people fell to their knees. Commentators on ESPN began to pray. Now you think about this. Prayer, prayer must have presence. The presence of God has to be enveloped in the presence of God. The nation began to pray. What was there? There was immediate agreement. The Cincinnati Bengals coach was hugging the Buffalo Bills coach. They were talking. They were obviously very distraught. Where seconds before, on the gridiron, they were battling each other. If we can ever understand 
that that question asked by Jesus' disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus' answer was in no way trite. It was not casual. Here's why. If they had not asked that question, if that question had gone unanswered, they and we would suffer. Because at the moment they asked, they were experiencing, hear me, the deep anguish of having the God-given desire to pray and yet having no revelation or divine unction to speak to God in, in anything other than words which fall, hear me, by their own weight as we speak a strange language that God does not distinguish. This, my dear brother, this, my dear sister, is a life and death situation. The pathway to our Father is singular, Jesus Christ. Therefore, He and He alone must teach us. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Here's the question. How shall we allow that verse to inform our prayer life? How? Give me that verse again. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So how do you go to the Father on your own? How do you pray on your own? We're going to get into some overwhelming, overwhelming revelation that's going to change your life forever. It's in this way that we agree with heaven. We become authorized not to pray to, but to pray with Jesus. Thereby, we're loosed from the sin of prayerlessness. Here's what 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against him by ceasing to pray for you. But I'll teach you the good and the right way. What a thought, man. What a revelation, what a joy, what a privilege. Hear me, to have the living Son of God with us, leading us to the majestic throne 
of our Father and their petition the living God as our personal prayer partner. Now you remember at the burial place in Bethany, the Lord Jesus lifted up his hands, not yet pierced on Calvary, and he announced these words. Jesus said, Father, I know you hear me always. John eleven forty two. When Jesus prays with us, we possess absolute confidence. First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Go on. So if we know that he hears anything whatsoever we ask, we know that we have whatever we asked of him. For our, the translation continues, for our present possession. I don't want to go too fast through this material. I'm going to teach you the way to God in prayer. And it's not, has nothing to do with your posture. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with understanding what prayer is. Once you truly understand what prayer is, you'll have to have people stop you from praying. I mean it. This has been the struggle. If the disciples of Jesus had it, what more the people that sit in pews Sunday after Sunday and we're trying, they want to pray, they have a heart to pray, but they don't know how to pray. You know why? because we've not allowed Jesus to teach us to pray. We have not said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, I have, and he did. It has changed my life. I'm doing it on Wednesday Night Live. I'm not even doing it to a, a in front of me congregation. I've got you right there. And the people that get it are going to change the world starting with their work. Amen? Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, no easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.